BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Do you have what you need? Mate, I always have what I need. <laughs> I know you do. I'm just joking, Bronson. If I didn't think you were prepared... I wouldn't have trusted you to free those people from the Zeta Reticulan slave camp on Upsilian Eridani B when I was busy half a galaxy away. I've trusted you ever since that day we met. It wasn't hard when I was the one that saved you. And I am forever grateful. Quit taking the piss, you wanker. I'm serious, Bronson. I would still be in his control if it wasn't for you. I'll say this once. Don't worry about it, bro. Understood. Now are you set for dimensional travel? Like a glove, mate. J-Clone 666 will be close to completion of the merge when you enter the Fender system. It's the only system capable of any final merging of two dimensions. I've got it. Once I stop J-Clone 666 from his mission, I'll be back in two shots. Be careful, Bronson. J-Clone 666 is more than the normal clone. His synthetic suit is housing a powerful Pleiadian entity that can shapeshift into the ether if detached from the clone. Ah, uh, wish me luck. Godspeed, Bronson. Five more minutes and I can seal the dimensional rift. I will finally be able to make my move. Only move you'll be making is solitary confinement on Yagwo 5. Mr. Fungus told me of your arrogance. It's only arrogance if you don't live up to the expectation. You think that little pea shooter will affect me? Even if it did pierce this flesh container, my ethereal body would be impossible to harm. I didn't bring it for you. You fool! What have you done? You destroyed the merging device! Only way you stop a merge. You idiot! This is the Fendar system! We have less than a minute before the area disintegrates and takes us with it into the mirror world. What have you done? I accounted for that, J-Clone 666. Don't think this is my first rodeo, mate. That is why I brought my self-containment field with me. Self-containment fields don't work with rift explosions, you dolt. They do if they have transformative J-Clone DNA. No one has that kind of DNA. Only one ever had that and... Wait a minute. He's alive? Who's alive? Don't play coy with me. The one. J-Clone 777. I don't know what you're talking about, and even if I did, you won't live to find out anyway. Goodbye, mate. No! Mysteries of the Universe. 
Organic UFOs. As above, so below. I'm feeling like a cloud so high. Floating around in the sky. They're all mushrooms. Mushroom communication system. Kaleidoscopes blended with matrix with drifting through time. Before the earth was around, thoughts of a sentient mind. Creations of loot and destruction, the higher we climb. What? Tornation? So high. What's going on, everybody? This is Joel Thomas, and I've got Sean Chris with me as per usual, and I've got Cryptids of the Corn here today, and we combined make Floating Mushroom, and we've been dropping a lot of episodes this year for you guys, and we have Justin and J-Clone104 today? Oh, yeah. That's right. It's me in the house. Just coming in just to check on you guys, see how things are going. The hell's that mean? I'm just here. I'm just here for the ride. You make the most cryptic statements sometimes. Well, you know what? That's okay. That's just who I am. This version of me. Do you mean cryptids like as in creatures or cryptid as I, I would like uh you to analyze that a little bit better, man? Yes, please explain yourself, Mr. E. Oh, cryptocurrency. You can't be tired today. <laughs> <laughs> cryptocurrency, that's what he meant. <laughs> cryptocurrency. From the hollow earth. <laughs> it's a hollow coin. Yeah, I'm just straight. I'm straight just off of. Slaves built the pyramids. Slaves built the Parthenon. That's how I feel from coming home from work. You know, <laughs> it's accurate. <laughs> We're putting everything together. I think it's fair to say, probably. Yeah. Slaves built more things than didn't build. The weirdest thing, though, is right after J Clone Ten Four said what he said. And we've seen Jay clones do weird things with the hair flap before things come out of the hair flap, but it was kind of weird. It almost looked like for a brief second, Justin, I don't know if you caught it, it was like a little like a little satellite dish popped out for a quick second and then shot back in. Oh, I can see. It reminded me of like Cartman from South Park when it came out of his butt. <laughs> oh, that's right. But it's coming out the hair flat. <laughs> J Clone yeah, 104. You trust okay? this clone? You ever notice that his mouth flap looks like his head yeah, flap? Yeah, well, they're the same thing. <laughs> they both got a big slit in them and they both never stop wiggling. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, look, guys, we've got a great episode for you guys today. We've been dropping nothing but heat coming out of Floating Mushroom. Uh, really since the get-go, but it's been progressively getting hotter every time we drop an episode, and the J-Clones seem to be getting hotter. The last J-Clone lit up the room so many times he was radiating, but uh, yeah. I thought that was climate change. I wasn't sure. There it is again! <laughs> there it is again! Did you see I've it? seen it in the corner I've of my eye. It. What the heck's going on? There's nothing going on, you guys. Definitely an effect of climate change. I think Why it's, are you crying? I think you got glitches in your uh, camera or something. It's it's Joel and that technology <laughs> glitch again. It's something going on. Oh, okay. You might want to check your stuff. Your I mean, to be right, or to be fair, if it's normally a technology slip-up, it's probably Joel's fault. Right. Blaming me for everything. 
Hey, <laughs> speaking of which, did you guys get any weird emails? A little bit. Yes. A few and a few DMs too, but I didn't even think to ask you guys because they were only up. And I actually called Sean and he saw the emails and then after like two hours they disappeared. But like, what did you guys see and did the same thing happen to you? Hey, yeah, yeah, no, we got tons of DMs, emails. It was odd. Everybody's talking about this Sean clone character that I don't, I've never, Sean, do you have clones? I never knew you had clones. I do not. This is the one and only. So. That's what I thought, you know, it, it was just all kinds of weird stuff kind of about that. And people were really confused. I couldn't find any problems. Like it's the same thing. Like we've been getting emails about the Spotify malfunctions. So I wonder if it's something to do with that. Oh yeah. Possible. It's a possibility. I know Sean and I got some, and apparently some people were freaking out because they thought that Sean was encrypted to the corn with you, Justin, and Jay was the host of Kill the Mockingbirds, like which is super weird, and I don't even know. That's what they said over here. Really? That makes no sense. Sean doesn't even like cryptids. Sounds like a Joe Rogan DMT trip, man. Maybe they're just a little bit on that Joe Rogan trip. Everybody's microdosing nowadays, so they took the floating mushroom literally. I think you're on to something. <laughs> or oh, they didn't wreck their car, and they just had back-to-back episodes playing and got all confused in the coma. <laughs> Woke up and immediately emailed us. Justin, ask J-Clone10 for while he's over there smiling like that. Hey, you know anything about this? I didn't see any of the emails. I'm not aware of. Now, I will say none of the J-clones, with how many there freaking are, they never answer any of the emails. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that kind of tracks. I, yeah, I think you guys might all, maybe you all are on mushrooms, maybe, perhaps. Is there a chance for that? He said DMT, not mushrooms. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oops, Freud, never mind. I did say both. Oh, oh I did say okay, both. okay. I thought it was a Freudian slip. Yeah, we got programmed a to- J-clone over there glitching out and i think i don't know i don't know if he's saying mushrooms we we don't really know i I do agree that uh these j clones could do a lot more work uh than they do but hey it is what it is oh oh. sorry i think i pissed him off scared me (laughs) he started shaking and convulsing (laughs) well here's the thing though what's really odd about this whole j clone situation as it progressively we're seeing more and more of them uh different numbers different models it seems like, though, Sean, they are working a lot, but not for us. They're not doing anything for they ain't us. They're doing nothing here. But they're working all right. I'll tell you that much. They're working, yeah. I like they that. They just come in here to plug in and steal and raise up my electricity bill. Hey, am I working hard or hardly working? Well, hey, what is what does your light bill look like when, you know, when J clones are over there more? It was it was twelve hundred dollars last month. Jesus. And the electric company said it was probably because that chicken incubator. And you think the advanced models would need to plug in? <laughs> no, it, it's inflation. <laughs> it's inflation. And weird enough, the natural gas bill was up to like $4,000 a month. How much money do you make? I don't make any money. Oh, okay. Oh, my God. But I've seen him down there huff, like huffing on where the, the, the stove comes in and everything like that. Oh, it's that pure propane, baby. Yeah, that's that's really weird, man. What's he gonna do when they make them all electric? I just go out back and eat coal. Because <laughs> guess what? Your electric cars are still powered by coal fire plants. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I heard there's a Mister Fusion in the works, though. So, a Mister what? A Mister Fusion, a bioreactor, like in uh, uh Back to the Future, two, part two mm. in particular. What are you talking about? A Mister Fusion. 
They're going to install one in my chest. Like Iron Man? You don't even know. Forget it. <laughs> Forget it. Biofuel sounds scary. That sounds like machines that can run on blood. Oh, my God. Well, guys, before <laughs> we get to the meat of the matter today, let's go and get everything out front. Cryptids, go ahead and give everybody all the good stuff you got coming up. Oh. All the good stuff where they can find you. Yeah. This is good. I remember the one thing we need. Yes. Uh, okay. So, yep. We have all the socials. It's all under Cribs of Corn or Cribs of Corn podcast. Uh, yeah. If you have encounters, you can go to our speaker pipe link and like leave a voicemail so we can listen to your encounters on the, on the show. Uh, the YouTube documentary series on a YouTube channel, Cribs of Corn podcast. But speaking of that, we're starting our next mega documentary. And to all of our friends in North America specifically, if anybody has seen what they think may be a hyena in North America, please email us and we'll get in contact with you. And that's cryptos of the corn podcast at gmail.com. Uh, but yeah, you find us anywhere podcasts are at. I do want to say before we move on also uh, that we have had the same issues you guys have had with Spotify and Podbean. Apparently we've been uh, talking to it with some of our listeners and as far as I can find online, the only fix. So if anybody here has heard Crips of the Corn podcast or Kill the Mockingbirds podcast have time slips like uh, like where it jumps back 15 seconds or a minute in the middle of the episode or the audio drops deep or goes up. Yeah. As far as I can find, that is a platform problem, not a distributing problem. And all you can do to fix it is uninstall that app and then reinstall it. Mm. That's it. I've done tons. I've called people. I've emailed all the, like the, the, I've me emailed everybody and that's it. So that's, that's all I can say about that. To that point, when I had the issue, cause I heard it for the first time myself or like a week ago, two ago. Well, when this episode drops a month ago, when it happened to me, it works itself out after like 24 hours. So I noticed when I went back 24, 48 hours later, it doesn't do it anymore, but you're right. If you want to get rid of it right away, and you hear, you know, halfway through the episode, it starts slipping back on its own or it drops an octave and it slows down, just uninstall the app and reinstall it. It is a Spotify, and you said Podbean? Because yeah. we, we don't know about, nobody said itself about Podbean. We had Podbean. one email about Podbean after we made the announcement. Interesting. And then it gets worse well, for some people's apps. We had one listener. See, mine didn't get like that. Mine has still, though, hasn't changed the covers. Like the covers are all yeah. flip flopped. Like I, I don't, but I didn't uninstall it. Or anything, but it plays fine and everything. It plays the right material. And again, that's why you should just go straight to cryptidscore.com or straight to you know killthemongers.com. Play. You know what I'm saying? You can listen to all of the podcasts on the websites. Uh, but yeah, my dad had it so bad that he couldn't listen to the episode. That it was jumping back like a minute huh. and fifteen, and it less it would, it would get him all the way back to the start in like two minutes. It would jump back like a minute and a half and let him listen to 15 seconds then jump back a minute and a half and let him listen to 15 seconds. So he was happy. He called me. He's like, I don't know what happened to your podcast, but yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's my, uh, PSAs. I think I did good. I think I remembered everything. Emails for hyenas, uh, reinstall your apps. All right. That's me. How about you guys? Well, you can find us at KillTheMarketBrothers.com. That's right. Or you can go to Instagram, KillTheMarketBrothers Podcast. Joe Thomas, Sean Chris on all music stream platforms. Go get your Nephilim shirt today. 
<laughs> I wasn't expecting Hickshawn to come out of nowhere. You sounded like my grandpa. <laughs> sound like a used car salesman. And yes, to Sean's point, we got a ton of new merch in there. So go check it out. Go pick it up. Uh, we got some really interesting shirts that are out that you guys will love to see. But now on to the good stuff. Guys, we are getting on Admiral Bird today. Admiral Bird. Bird, man. How you feel about that, Justin? Because I know your cheeks get tight when we talk about Admiral <laughs> mm-hmm. Bird. Well, I don't want to ruin the ending. <laughs> <laughs> very true, very true. I see that J-Clone 10-4 over there has got an even bigger smile on his face as soon as I brought up Admiral Bird. Why is that, J-Clone 10-4? Why is that? Uh, well, you know, Admiral Bird's a significant character in our history. And uh, in whose history? Human being's history. And he may or may not, I mean, his diary is up for speculation. So we're going to have to really get into that. And I just have a question for you. Yes. If you, as J-Clone 10-4, were going to dress to go to, go to the Antarctic Circle, like go into the Antarctica, how would you dress? Big coat. What kind of big coat? Um, like when you could take off for a leisurely stroll through the grassy prairies? No. I'd have a, a thick, uh, like, uh, seal skin lined coat. Mammoth fur? Ooh. I picture, like, hammer pants. You know what I'm saying? Getting some, like... Yeah. <laughs> ice, ice. With that hair flat, man? Come on, man. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What is on the back of your head? Don't worry about it. Stop looking at me. It looks like a tail wagon half the time. Pay attention to your mind. Can you charge your phone off that? <laughs> well, yeah, before. It only gets you half a if battery, you get, though. If you get a bag of instant popcorn close enough, <laughs> it does start popping. It also depends how sunny it is out. <laughs> Plays a factor. All right, yeah, Admiral Burr, this is going to be a fantastic episode. I do want to say before we really get into it, this is the first floating mushrooms I've ever been drinking on. Whoa. So, and thank you to our special friend in Pennsylvania, you know who you are, for providing tonight's moonshine. Nice. It's out of a pipe. Nice. Mm. Out of a pipe. Is that right? I don't know what that means either. Is that right? I was feeling a little under the weather, so I could use a little pick-me-up. So corn and sugar will do that. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Well... Admiral Byrd is the topic today, and I thought it'd be cool to get into that. I know it was Sean's idea, actually, and I think it did spot off the fact that Justin has a (laughs) deep-rooted hate for this man called Admiral Byrd. He despises everything that comes out of Admiral Byrd. He really just cannot stand it at all, and he gets angry. I see him boiling over there right now, but we are going to get into some really cool stuff with Admiral Byrd. You're using some strong words. I'm just going to say that. Hate's a strong word. Seething's a strong word. Yeah, but he ain't lying. No, I've had moonshine, so I could actually sit here for the hour and a half. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Admiral Byrd. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start out with the diary. And I think that's how this whole thing is going to stretch out into is it's going to be the basis of his diary because that's where 
all the conspiracy theorists, even the mainstream guys, when they talk about Admiral Byrd and whether or not he went to the North Pole, whether or not he went to Antarctica, it all really starts in his diary and to some extent what he told uh, the governments when he came back. But we're going to start with how the diary was found, which I think that's interesting enough. And then, Justin, we're going to deal with some of the logs that he logged into the diary, and then we're going to spawn off into what we think about a lot of these topics. That It's really funny because Admiral Byrd has two camps in the conspiratorial realm. You've got the flat earthers that think that he's talking about flat earth, and then you've got the other side that think he's talking about hollow earth which I think there's way more evidence if you believe everything that Admiral Byrd said. If you're just 100% in with Admiral Byrd and you're not like Justin, who can't stand him, if you're 100% in with Admiral Byrd, then I just don't see how you can say that he's a flat earther because he talks about going in the earth, which we're going to get into here. Unless you're a flat hollow earther, which I have heard those guys are starting to rear their heads up and out here as of late they're combining the two which i give them props man at least they're being open-minded you know trying to combine theories but um you know what with flat earth they they have supporters all around the globe (laughs) (laughs) somebody got the joke (laughs) but um i should hit the rim button Sorry, you're gonna get lame dad jokes all night. They're not gonna like that. I don't care. I get. I just delete the emails before I even open them. <sighs> I hear you, man. I hear you. Yeah, we get a lot too, but you know, I, I know cool. they mean well. Well, for the most part, when now when they're we t- typically now we get a re- a lot of really good fans of followers that are flat earthers that really just send us info. They're not like even mad anymore. Now our buddy Juan Ayala, (laughs) that dude gets absolutely slayed like 80 times a day. I'm I'm half of his hate mail. We're going to get into. (laughs) I'm half of his hate mail. I just do it to mess with him. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we're going to get into bird's diary of the North pole flight. It was found in university archives. So it was 70 years after Admiral Byrd claimed to be the first to fly over the North Pole. Ohio State University, right up the road or down the road from me or Justin and Jay, and not too far away from Sean either, uh, they announced they had found Byrd's diary, which gave the clearest picture yet of what happened during the famous flight. He's long been credited as the first to reach the pole, even though there's been a lot of scholars that dispute that. They There's a lot of guys before that said, nah, he really didn't. And we'll get into some of the mechanics, literal mechanics of the plane on how that maybe it didn't happen. You know, just from a purely scientific mechanical level of the plane on how that a lot of these scholars would think that he didn't. But the newly found diary came out, and it said that they believed he actually reached the pole. And this was found by Raymond Goller, who was working at the university at the time. And he's actually from Wilhelmshaven, Germany, and he has a lot of degrees. Bachelor of Arts at the State University of New York. 
Uh, he's Master of Arts, which I found it really odd that he's got all these art degrees, um, which means that he probably knows how to act, probably knows how to write fiction very well. Uh, he's also a doctor of philosophy at the same uh, university. And then he went into Master of Library Science at Kent State University in 1984. Um, he was a manuscript specialist at the Western Reserve Historical Society in Cleveland. Uh, this was from 76 to 78. And this guy knows his stuff when it comes to archiving. And he's written several books, to which probably his most famous book is To the Pole, The Diary and Notebook of Richard E. Byrd, which, if you really think about it, him finding the diary made him famous. Right. <laughs> him finding the diary made him a household name. Um, so he came out with the diary, and he said that it was significant. It offered proof that Bird at least thought he reached North Pole at the time of the flight, and that's important because we'll get to that later on why that maybe that he thought he did, even though he didn't. Um, he was also in a race, kind of like we talked about the space race. We talked about the nuclear bomb race. Uh, he was in a race with Donald McMillan and Roland Amundsen, and he was trying to get there before they got there. And honestly, Amundsen reached the pole on May 12th, which is after him. So he got there really quick and got and got back really quick, quicker than most scholars would say that you should be able to do that. Um, even in the diary, he talks about 20 miles of the pole just before one of the plane's engines developed an oil leak. But they, he's saying he still got there with the oil leak and got back, even though they were freaked out. But, again, a lot of the scholars think that maybe he stopped short of it. Maybe him being that high and 20 miles away, he was able to see it, but he didn't actually get there. So there's a lot of disparities with the claims that maybe he did get there. Uh, but Gorler actually thinks that he did. Um, he thinks that, according to this diary, that it's the actual proof uh, that he got there, and he brings in another guy, uh, Rollins, Dennis Rollins. He's an independent researcher who's done extensive work on Admiral Byrd, and he came and analyzed the diary as well, and he said it was true. He said it's absolutely true. Um, both of them believe it, even though they think maybe that Admiral Byrd may have been a little misguided. So that's what I've got initially on the findings of the diary. So... The only two people that could have made money are the ones that believe it the most. I'm playing the J card today, <laughs> if you can't tell. <laughs> and then the mm. German writing expert. More than just that, though. Oh, yeah. Discovered a extremely well-written diary hidden in the Ohio State bowels. Hmm. That was written... By essentially a hick in a plane. Hmm. And Ohio State has mm. some weird oh, ties to begin with. I've been with. in the bowels of the Ohio State. Don't get man. You guys say in Ohio State a lot, man. I'm trying to just like <laughs> kick it and not go on. <laughs> I'm an alumni. You know, I went to school there for four years. Didn't graduate. I didn't. I dropped out. and I was. You would have be an alumni. It was a waste of, of my Ohio time State. and I hated it. I hated every second of it. You're not an alumni if you don't graduate. I have my card. I was a student. Student, not alum, like not an alumni. Yeah, whatever. They can have their labels. <laughs> they can have their labels. 
There's a difference. You're technically still a student. No. I'm a student oh, of life. Gosh. All right. What are we doing now? I love it so far. So the question is, you know, did he go over the North Pole? Um there again, back to Ohio State University Libraries, you know, he's hailed as a hero. He's actually given the Medal of Honor when he came back. Um and he also achieved other polar exploration milestones as well, but the controversy rests on whether the plane could have covered the distance in just 15 hours and 44 minutes, because that's what they recorded in the logs. When the flight was expected to take about 18 hours, given the ground speed of the aircraft. I mean, they've been debate debating it forever. Could he actually have pulled it off? That's when Gorler brought in Newsom, who taught celestial navigation to help with this whole thing. And according to Newsom's research, and this came out in 2013, um, he suggests that Bird fell short by about 80 miles. But he says he doesn't think that it was nefarious. He thinks that Bird was dealing with less sophisticated equipment than airplanes have today, and then him calculating his position uh, every few minutes of the entire flight that he just got it wrong. He's like, listen, I, I think that he thought that he got there, but he didn't actually get there. And he quoted it like he did. Now, again, this is just basic level. We're not talking about all the weird stuff that he put in his logs, which are going to get to later, but this is just basic level. Could he have gotten there? And according to guys that know what those planes could do back then, he doesn't think that they did. And honestly, they talk about how that they were able to chart where they were going. They didn't have GPS back then. They, they used solar compass and a bar graph. Now, the solar compass, it has a clockwork mechanism, and it turns this glass cover to match the movement of the sun around the sky. So imagine that. Imagine having this like solar compass and trying to figure out where you're flying, why you're flying a plane, because you're looking at a shadow on this sun compass. You know, like people have seen sundials. It's very, you know, roughly similar to that. And... Then the bar graph, it records the atmospheric pressure. So it lets him know the altitude that he's at. But that could even be thrown off depending on if something's going wrong with the plane. So they're thinking that maybe that he got to a certain level or a certain area and he looked down. He's like, oh, there it is. I'm there. And then he turned back around real quick because they're just thinking like it took eight, it would need to take 18 hours for him to get there. And he, and he did it in 15. So as far as we did our our season uh, opener on the Bermuda Triangle, right? That was the season opener? Season opener or season closer? I can't remember now. Uh, and there are documented small plane flights modernly that have arrived on destination with eyewitnesses taken off, eyewitnesses landing two and a half hours early with no explainable reason besides getting into like the green fog and stuff like that. So a lot of people assume uh, random jet streams grab the plane and fling it forward to where this plane is say, capable of going 150 miles per hour is all of a sudden going 400 miles per hour. And if you inside of it, you know, the air is moving you around you, not you moving through the air, which is a very different thing. So you feeling it, mm -hmm. if let's say this really did happen to him and let's say he really did get there, you know, these three extra hours early all the way around. If he did get in one of these random jet streams, because if it is a round planet, and you know you're going to a, a really uncharted area. There could be these random maelstroms and stuff like that. 
So there could be this weird jet stream that he got in and threw him hundreds of miles pretty much without him realizing it. Now, that's probably the only time I will support Avril Bird for the next hour and a half. <laughs> Trying to be nice. Mm. I mean, here, here's my thing. I like what you're saying there. I, I, I'm very indifferent on Admiral Byrd. And as we progress throughout this, I'm going to say there are a lot of red flags. I don't disagree with a lot of what you say, Justin, on there being red flags. I just think that there's also a lot of truth to it. I just think they want to manipulate the truth and twist it into making people believe a certain narrative of the truth and give you bits of it, but also, you know, throw a lot of fake elements in there too to throw people off the trail. I mean, look at how many people are divided. Oh, yeah. On Admiral Byrd, even on the shape of the earth mm -hmm. of Admiral Byrd. I can agree with that, that there are definitely truths in this story. I just don't think. Well, I think I already got it figured out why it took. This hick from World War II was uh, the, the fantastic nature of the story and the rioting capabilities. That's where it throws me off from doing this way before a long time ago, looking into it. And I'm like, a guy from a uh, hick wrote this? I guess. I guess. Well, and here's the other thing about Newsom. And he brought up a good point, you know, and I like what you said about the current taking him. That could totally happen, but I also think that that would also throw off what instruments they had, too, because he wouldn't really know where he was at, I would think, in my opinion. But again, I don't know a lot about flying a plane. But Newsom also said that he would have thought as extensive as Admiral Byrd had been about his notations and calculations, he didn't have any for his flight, not that portion of it. So he said, why would he have all these other calculations, but he didn't? So... I, again, it's just another missing gap in the Admiral Byrd saga of his trip to the North Pole. So, you know, that's just my opinion. I don't know. I, 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 in this whole thing, I don't know. Well, I think the reason why is because, you know, on the Mercator map, you know, generally the globe map stretched out in a flat plane. The northern part, you know, is stretched out longer. So when they're doing the calculations, they're like, oh, you know, it's going to take him this long. But on a flat earth model, that area is much shorter. So probably about three hours shorter, if you ask me. <laughs> so it probably... He just did the math. I watched his, his eyes roll in the back of his head and calculations mm. roll past. So he didn't actually have to go as far as what the globe map model presents he should be. But on the flat earth model, man, he's just there and back right on time. Hmm. Funny how things just add up just right. Or maybe it's some kind of like dimensional travel as well. Like we don't know, like to me, like it, like, you know, that whole trip represents a lot of like, cause I believe a lot of like the whole hollow earth stuff. And, um, obviously everybody wanted to be down there, right? There was a significant reason why there was people fighting over it and who knows how you get there, man. Like we talk about all kinds of, uh, fantastical things it could be a air, you know, stream of uh, of air that's carrying you there, but maybe there's something pushing you there too. But I mean, kind of remind me of Columbus, you know. I mean, obviously that's way before, but where he uh, was like, yeah, this is a 
This is India, man. Damn. <laughs> Maybe that was it. Also, he died so long before this book ever surfaced. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, one of my theories is, is that Gorler actually wrote it because he had the knowledge. I'm with you on that. And he had the know-how being in the arts for, for in two different universities, had two degrees in the arts, plus he understood how to write, probably how to fraudulently write something, and he understood how to archive, and he understood those type of documents. So if he was maybe, you know, contracted to do something like this, because it, it's really weird where he's like, oh, man, it's here at the Ohio State University. It was back here the whole time. <laughs> mm -hmm. See, yeah, he I, just found it, man. You didn't see this the whole time here, but he probably rewrote it because, I mean, he wrote it, uh, and from what he based it off of, he he could play characters, right? So if you could put yourself in that moment and write like as if you were Admiral Byrd, that makes sense that you could do that. And a strange character at the very end of the episode will come in that owes a lot of mysterious people a lot of money. It involves all these books being written about it. Mm. It has inside information on Bird himself. Bum, bum, bum. Also, like all the, that scientist that, you know, discovered the book. Not a scientist. Is it Archiver? Or whatever. He wasn't? No. Archiver. Okay. What he, uh. Don't meddle us together. He, he all those degrees he had. Huh? Oh my gosh. You're not a scientist. You're not a <laughs> biologist. You're retired. Ooh. You're not allowed to call yourself that. Hey, I saw it. There it is. It's that little dish thing. It popped out. Um. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I got it. Jesus. <laughs> um, but with all those degrees he had, it sounds like almost everything you need to be qualified and well-versed in to shape narratives. No. So, I mean, is this, this could be like, you know, one of them psyop things too help shape a narrative in a way, giving you truth in plain sight, but however, twisting it in ways to make sure you're going, you're chasing this rabbit without understanding the full scope of what it could actually be. Plus, how did it get there? Like, you know what I'm saying? Of all places, like, that's not where Admiral Burns from. It's many Smithsonian. Um, Ohio State literally hoards stuff. No joke. They have the largest preserved fish collection in the world. Hmm. The world. So you think someone just like would like, um, let's just say he didn't write it, right? How would they get a hold of it? You think someone found it and submitted it to them? No, I don't think it's real. Uh, I <laughs> just, I think, I think it was a board professor. Well, I'm saying if that's what my point is. So if it was real, that knew everything ends up here eventually. So it makes sense that I could, gotcha. I could paint some strings of how, this book could have ended up here because they have a gigantic war collection from World War One and World War Two. Gotcha. I see what you mean. Well, check this out. You were just talking about those uh, wins, Justin. Well, Newsom uh, actually calculated this. So Bird said that the strong tailwinds helped speed the plane along and it allowed for shorter than expected travel. But Newsom put it to the test. He used climate data from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration data set 
Uh, these supercomputers, they calculate atmospheric conditions around the globe for every six hours between year spans. So they actually calculated it between 1870 and 2010. So the winds model calculated for Bird's trip didn't match Bird's description because they said that he would actually have gone into a headwind during the entire northward leg of the trip, just according to this scientific data. Again, I'm not saying that I believe it per se, but this is just him doing that scientific research on the wind factor during that time. Northward would be him heading home, and they had already souped up his plane. There was a little swastika painted on the side. They fixed the oil leak. They fixed it all up. It was like a hot rod by the time it left. So that's what you think juiced it up for him to get back so quickly that the plane was actually like a fast and furious souped up version. It literally, uh, they had me familia painted on the side of it. Well, I knew that. So you, so we're going to say like, well, from Justin's perspective, I don't know for yours yet, Joel, the diary fake, but the, uh, the flight logs is what we're basing everything off of, right? It's all fake. Well, Justin thinks it's all fake. I don't necessarily. No, think I do it think is. I do think there are nuggets of truth buried through her. I just don't think it had anything to do with the actual man known as Abril Bird. Mm. I think like you think he he they used him as a character. Yeah, because yeah, he just because he was dead and he had all these awards. He served as a pilot in both World War One and World War Two, and you know what a pilot was in World War One. They put you on a paper, pretty much a paper glider, and launched you to look over the battlefield of everybody else as they were shooting at you. Now, the planes were like basically just paper planes. They just used them to recon behind the, the trenches. Might as well use blimps at that point. They didn't have them yet. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just... But he does do an interview, doesn't he? To have a video interview where he talks about he died in like fifty seven. Um, going, they didn't find the book till like. I thought there was like an audio he interview. He died in March fifty seven. Yeah, but TV's been around a lot longer than that. Yeah, but I don't think the book came out till after his death or when he was on his deathbed. Like, oh, I'd have to look. When was the book found? Anybody know? I mean, he talked about the flight and everything. Like, he got his medal and everything like that. But, like, the book and everything. Are you talking about the diary? When was the diary found? Yeah. Yeah. That was in night. No, sorry. He found the diary. I don't know. It doesn't say. Yeah. No, it's just... Because the diary was found, like, years later. So, he talked about some weird stuff. In my, in, in my understanding of the story is he talked about some of the weird stuff, but the crazy stuff didn't come out until he was almost on his deathbed when his son was peddling around to talk about the stuff. And at that point, he was like walking Joe Biden around. <laughs> I'm not joking. Like, he well, was gone. I have a video of him right here on a TV show. I don't know if he's talking about Antarctica, though. Affairs editor of Newsweek magazine. Our very distinguished guest for this evening is Admiral Richard E. Byrd. The North Pole used to be a no-man's land, but uh, these are the days when... 
So that's just, I mean, it, it's a 13-minute clip. I'm not going to play it. But, I mean, they're talking about it. So, I mean, that's why that's why I always thought, like, I know the diary and everything, but I saw some of these videos. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't go all to the all-fantastical and all that, but, I mean, it does show that he was there. I, I don't doubt that he tried all of this. I'm talking about the Nordic aliens in the center of the earth with 400-foot-tall mammoths and swastika UFOs. See, I think all that happened. To him? Yes. Okay. I. If not him, I think maybe either him, if not him, somebody directly like there around him in that situation. Like, I'm not saying every single thing happened to him, but I'm with Joel on that. I think that he was either him or the people in his group. Well, I'm just as much wrong as I am right, so. And... We will get into his group later on, what that group is, that everybody knows this group. So we will get into this group later. Don't smile so hard, J-Clone 10-4. What is that? What is that? Yeah, the, your, your hair flap's looking like a swastika right now. Now, his group, that is a weird group. So I would say this. I would say this, Justin. Why don't you go ahead and start going through the flight logs oh, gosh. of that particular trip and then we can spawn off. We'll, we'll, as you're going through the flight logs, we'll we'll talk a little bit about what happened when he went in the earth, okay. when he got out, and then we'll talk about his Antarctica trip after that. But I do want to get in these flight logs. These are important. 600 hours. So for all of our non-military time people, that's 6 a.m. All preparations are complete for our first northward flight, and we are airborne with a fuel tank, uh, a f- full fuel tank at 61000 hours. Six twenty hundred hours. Fuel mixture on the starboard engine seems too rich. Adjustments made in part whitely are running smoothly. Seven thirty hundred hours. Radio check with base camp. All is well and radio assumption is normal. Seven forty hours. Uh, note slight oil leak in starboard engine. Oil pressure sure indicator seems normal. However, uh, eight hundred hours. Slight turbulence noted. From the easternly direction at altitude of 2321 feet. Correction to 1700 feet. No further turbulence, but tailwind increases. Slight adjustment in throttle control. Aircraft performing very well now. 81500 hours. Radio check with base camp situation normal. 83000 hours. Turbulence encountered again. Increased altitude to 2900 feet. Smooth flight conditions again. Nine ten hundred hours. Vast ice and snow below. Note coloration of yellowish in nature and dispense of linear patterns. Alternative course or course foe in better determination of the color pattern below. Note reddish or purplish color purplish color also. Circles this area for full full turn to a full two turns and returns to assess compass heading. Position check made again at base camp and rely information correctly corresponding and the ice and the snow below. Nine ten hundred hours. Both magnetic and geo compasses beginning to gyrate and wobble. We are unable to hold our heading by instru- or by instruments alone. Take bearings of the sun compass, yet all seems well. The controls are seemingly slow to respond and have sluggish qualities, but there is no indication of icing. Uh, so there is a note with that one that when he recorded this, it was with exclamation. He was saying that uh, there basically was no icing indicated, and that was really bothersome. Nine fifteen hundred hours in the distance, we appears to be mountains. 
9,4900 hours. 29 minutes elapsed flight from first sighting of the mountains. It is no illusion. There are mountains in consisting of a small range that we have never seen before. Once again, with an exclamation. 9,5500 hours. Altitude change from 2950 feet. Encountering strong turbulence again. 10 or 1,000 hours. We are crossing over the small mountain range and still proceeding northward as best we can be ascertained. Beyond the mountain range is what appears to be a valley with small rivers and streams running through it at certain portions. There should be no green valley below. Something is different or definitely wrong and abnormal here. We should be over ice and snow. To the port side is a great forest growing in the mountain slopes. Our navigation instruments are still spinning. The gyroscope is oscillating back and forth. 1,005 hours. I, alt, or I alter altitude to 1,400 feet uh, to exert the shape left turn or to exert a sharp left turn to better examine the valley below. It is green with either a moss or a type of tight knit grass. The light here seems different. I cannot see the sun anymore. We make another left turn and we spot what seems to be a large animal of some kind below us. It appears to be an elephant. No, it looks more like a mammoth. This is incredible. Yet there it is. Descends altitude to a thousand feet to take binoculars to better examine the animal. It is confirmed. It is definitely a mammoth-like animal. Reports this to base camp. All right, check this out before you jump to the rest of it. So that right there is pretty telling because he does seem to know immediately what it is in the locks. Mammoth! Mammoth! You know what I mean? And that, maybe he knows. Maybe, maybe he's very privy to what mammoths are. Maybe it just seems to me that this is this whoever was there, whether this was Bird or whether this was someone else that Bird was the face of, which I kind of like that what Sean said too, that Bird was kind of the face of whoever actually went there. It's very similar like Edison being the face of Tesla or any of these guys, even Einstein. People say Einstein wasn't who he said he was. Einstein was the face of whoever was actually the scientist behind him. So maybe this other person goes there, but they know they're going in there with the eyes and knowledge of, I'm going there to see a mammoth. There's a mammoth there. I know they're here. Plus, Admiral Admiral Byrd was well-respected, like Justin was saying. Like You know what I mean? He has all the, the medals and, and the military experience that the American public is going to like stand behind him. And maybe that was part of it. But I feel bad because Justin was talking about the whole flight log and I should have had some like little ambiance for him, you know, like. like I thought, <laughs> Cut your side below. I, I totally missed a moment. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh, I can get behind that. That I just don't think Admiral Byrd has anything to do with this story. And it's not even that the story is not real. I can get behind most of this story. It's the way that Admiral Byrd got stuck to it and the people that made money off it and the people that benefited and didn't benefit from this story is what bothers me, I think, the most. Yeah. Not actually the core story itself, if that makes any sense. No, I get that. And then maybe they're just using, because I was, why you guys were talking, I was kind of going through the video to see if it had anything. And mainly he was talking about there was oil there. He went to the North Pole, the South Pole. So possibly he had taken these flights but maybe not for that, or who knows who else he was taking there. And maybe he wasn't a part of even the mission, right? Like, maybe he doesn't know, but they used him because of the name recognition with the public, and again, that 
someone that you would trust. I can get behind that. And that like a lot of this, I think a lot of this crazy, and I may be wrong here. A lot of the craziness with the story didn't come out till after his death or near his deathbed. So there were, he couldn't argue it or he couldn't say that it was correct or discorrect or whatever. There seemed to be, to me, when I remember looking into it, there's a lot of people speaking for him. And I think that's what bothered me the most about it is that, you know, it's just like the puppets we have in government, just walking them around, giving them ice cream, letting them sniff kids. They don't know what's going on. Sean, when you laugh like that, it only encourages me. Hey, at least I muted. I'm trying to mute it, but I can't, like, like cover my face. <laughs> uh, do you want me to continue? Yes, continue with that for sure. 10, 30, 100 hours, or, you know, 1,030 hours. And counting rolling green hills now, the external temperature indicators read 74 degrees Fahrenheit. Continuing on our current heading now, navigation instruments seem to be normal now. I am puzzled over these actions, attempting to contact base camp. Radio is not functioning. Here's where we get to some fun. 1130, 100 hours. So there's an hour in between this, and I think a lot of people skip over that, that he was kind of flying around for an hour before anybody, this next little thing happened. So 1130 hours. Uh, Our countryside below is more level and normal now, if I may use that word. Ahead we spot what seems to be a city. This is impossible. Aircraft seems light and oddly buoyant. The controls refuse to respond. My guide, off to our port and starboard side wings, there are strange types of aircraft. They are closing rapidly alongside of us. They are disc-shaped, and they are radiant in quality to them. They are close enough now to see the markings on them. They are some type of swastika. This is fantastic. Where are we? What has happened? I tug on the controls again. They will not respond. We are caught in an invisible vice grip of some type. 113500 hours. Our radio crackles and a voice comes through in English with a perhaps of a slight Nordic or Germanic accent. This is the message. Welcome, Admiral, to our domain. We shall land you in exactly seven minutes. Relax, Admiral. You are in good hands. I note that the engine of our plane has stopped running. The aircraft is under some strange kind of control is now turning itself. The controls are completely useless. 1140 hours. Uh, another radio message received. We began the landing process in a moment, and the plane shudders slightly. We began the descent, and all through caught to some great unseen elevator. The downward motion is negligible. We touch down with only a slight jolt. 11.45 hours. I am making a hasty last entry in my, in my flight log. Several men are approaching on foot towards the aircraft. A tall, they are tall with blonde hair. In the distance is a large shimmering city pulsing with a rainbow of hues and of color. I do not know what is going on or what is going to happen now, but I have no sign of, uh, they have no sign of weapons on their approach. I hear now a voice ordering me by name to open the cargo door. I comply. End log. Hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting with the swastika being on the side of their craft, knowing that during this time we've got, you know, the Germans pumping up with, you know, uh, Hitler, and we know that they had connections with the Vril, who were these tall, blonde Nordics who they were given this power of the Vril, these ships 
So we know that the Nazis had some sort of technology that they were getting from some tall, tall people. Nephilim, baby! They're in this! They're always here! Whoa. They're always manipulating something! They're always here! Whoa. Joel, I think you missed something. I clearly said blonde. That doesn't mean anything. There's all there's all colors and uh well there's also a lot of people that believe that these uh, Nordic type like we I know we went over them that are created by the Greys. So that is another thing that's at play like whether that may be too uh, it's a great play. Uh, it depends on how we look at it. If we just look at through the lens of Fallen, then it could just be a reiteration because they don't always have to have red hair. And even when we talked to uh, Gary Wayne, we talked about that. Like, they don't even always have, like, they're predominantly of what we hear, red hair and all that, but it's not always the case. There is other types of these. Nephilim. Absolutely. And I will say that the Vril have on many occasions shown the uh, body forms, almost angelic forms with wings, and they have a very uh, uh, ethereal feel to them when they see them. They got a ninny right. feel. Now, they look like ninnies. Yeah. So, what is <laughs> the ninny feel? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> For the Vril, were, was that the one, as somebody that may not quite understand it, where they were using all these girls with super long like pigtails to contact them, or was that a different group? I've never heard of that story when it comes to the Vril. Now, if somebody else hears it and they're going to be like, he doesn't know that? Like, I haven't heard that one. I'll be completely honest with you. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I think he's on this. I think like Hitler and his circle, what was it, Himmler, his right-hand man or guy that did all like the esoteric, you know, dark magic stuff. I just know he these had girls a, had, they well, were, let me, I'm telling it. Sorry. Um, they had, they had super long. Wow. 10 is getting worked up today. <laughs> oh, yeah. You asked me and then you, and then I'm telling it and you cut me off. They, uh, they, he used uh, this group of women and they had super like hair down to like their feet super long and they would go into like these trances and things like that and give him information you know from w whatever they were contacting they said yeah it was from this other civilization you know this advanced civilization but i, I mean who knows it could have been demons oh yeah didn't they say they were from a dead world i don't know about that so sure. here's something the, you, I, you got to take into effect too when you're talking about the vril there was the thule society which was an offshoot, they say, of the Vril Society. So the Vril Society was was more secretive. It wasn't talked about really, except from like Helena Blavatsky and some of these people who were theosophists. But when they, but the Thule Society is a known fact. It was actually founded in 1911, and it was named after that year. So in 1912, they called it the Thule Society, and Hitler was a part of this Thule Society. They had blood, blood declarations of faith. Like they were, it was a Germanic order, order of, of the occult, but they said that they got their power from the Vril and this Vril society. So these Vril or these fallen angels or Nephilim or maybe a combination of the two were giving Hitler and his people in this Thule society um, the the knowledges, the the secret knowledges, the the ships, how to build these ships, how to build these UFOs, that what we would call them today. Um, now, some validity validity could be to their story because I was thinking about uh, Rapunzel. That's like that was written in eighteen twelve, and that's that long glowing hair, which can still be. I really do believe that in my 
what I think is that it's like some form of a fallen and Nephilim, like whatever hybrid, because if, if, if it's that time, they've been evolved so much, right? I think that like we've discussed plenty of times, they're not the same Nephilim that you think of of old earth or beginning of times. They're going to constantly adapt. So I think that that's how they approached it. Cause it's funny. Cause I was talking to my buddy earlier and we're talking about the hundred monkey theory. And I was saying like, well, that to me is really the only way that any of the fallen or, or the devil or whatever you want to call it, like can control us is through that hundred theory. So maybe that's how they control Germany. And they presented themselves as something that they wanted to be like, Hey, look, this is, we're kind of like you. you, you should listen to us and we'll give you some technology. And then, you know what I mean? Kind of further things along. If I remember right, those girls, they, had earth braid hair is what it was called because it was always in contact with the earth like they were quote-unquote grounded they had these like giant masses of hair Mm -hmm. and there was only like 10 or 12 of them like there was a limited number yeah maybe not even that much and they were they basically had like ss clearance or something like that to where if anybody seen them walk into a room everybody immediately had to get out besides hitler like whenever they came in to talk to hitler it was like everybody had to get out because they were channeling these well if I remember right, like dead alien societies. And that's where Hitler was getting like technologies from and stuff like that in a vice. Well, check this out. This is something that just dawned on me right now. Every time we see a J clone, the hair gets longer and it gets longer and it gets longer. What are they trying to do? What are they trying to ground to? That's what I'm trying to figure out. What's going on, J clone 10-4? Why? Yes. Yes. The power flows within you. So (laughs) to your point, though, Justin, about Hitler and getting this uh, UFO knowledge or this alien knowledge, the Thule Society, they identified this place called the Ultimate Thule. And it was a lost ancient landmass in the earth near Greenland or Iceland. And it was said by Nazi mystics to be the capital of the ancient Hyperion. Hyperborea. So this was all under Earth. So, and a lot of people tie that into, which I think Tartaria, Tartary. I think Tartaria exists, but not how people think. I don't think it was what they, what anybody thinks it is. I think it ties into Tartarus, which, if you know anything about Tartarus in the Bible or Greek culture, that was hell or under the Earth. So I think that if there was a Tartaria or this Thule. It's under the earth, and this is where these Nephilim, these fallen angels, they're creating these hybrids, and you've got all of this, the reptilians, you've got all this stuff going on under the earth. So I think that, yes, I think the Vril, I think the Thule Society, all of it's connected into Hitler and his obsession with the occult and trying to get these technologies, these occult technologies, so he could advance his aim and his goals. Now, we don't actually know what Hitler's actual goals were. We know what we're told that they were. We know some of the awful things that he did in power, but I just think he was a puppet like anybody else in these positions. I think he was placed there to do the bidding of some other people who had more influence and more power behind him. I just don't think he's what people think that he was. I just think he was a puppet. It'd be like Joe Biden or Donald Trump or anybody that's in these positions. He's just placed there as a placeholder, a, a, a meat sack for them to manipulate. Speaking of Joe Biden, watch out. Watch out, Joel. He's <laughs> right behind you. I, I can't cough anymore. I'm losing. I'm I ready for the sniffs. I can't believe you yelled at me. 
<laughs> I did yell at you. <laughs> I know. It hurt my feelings. That's that 10-4, though, man. That 10-4 version don't play. <laughs> what you guys yeah, you don't, don't play, know is man. once we get off this, I'm going to beat him to death with a hammer. Just don't break my, my, don't break my mainframe. <laughs> so I like that idea, though, man, of of because it's something, you know what I mean? Like, there's something to it, and we know... Uh, we don't know how many times have we spoke before, too, of like, like the earth, you know, growing over the earth, for instance, or like how how deep it goes when they've wiped out. We don't know what that quite means when the earth has been remade and how many times. Yeah. No, I mean, don't get me started with old earth. I'll go all night. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. <laughs> Different episode. Um, and just to pick up where Justin left off um, with these flight logs is what happened when he went in. This city in Agartha with these tall whites with blonde hair, uh, he actually wrote about it. Now, they weren't part of the logs because he left the logs in his plane, the plane that Justin surmises was juiced up uh, in between times, and that's how he got back so fast, which I kind of like. I, I actually like that concept a lot. Uh, but he goes in there and meets with this old or older tall white called the master which immediately i'm already getting very eerie like occult vibes like here's this guy oh i was like we're canceled as soon as you said that white master i was like okay let's uh pack it up guys yes yeah but you guys have a good night well i mean they had swastikas on their ships so he was definitely the white master (laughs) it just makes perfect sense um but he's you know he tells him Welcome to to our domain, Admiral. And he said he had delicate features. And he sits down with him. And he says, uh, he tells Admiral Byrd that he's of noble character and well-known on the surface world. So at this point, Admiral Byrd didn't even know that he was underneath the earth. He didn't know that. When he flew to the North Pole and he saw this land, he didn't know he actually had already went in. So he was already in the earth when he saw these woolly mammoths. When the ships ran up on him, he was already in the earth. So at this point, he's he's just now finding out from the master, the white master, that he's inside the earth. And he tells him, uh, you're in the domain of the Ariani. So that's what they call them. And they're, you're on the inner world of the earth. We shall not long delay your mission You'll be safely escorted back to the surface for a distance beyond. So they're actually going to take him beyond how far he came in, and he's actually going to tell him why that he was brought here. And 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 Sean, you're going to like this because we just did an episode on nuclear bombs being fake, what nuclear bombs actually could be, because we don't think they're what they tell us, and we actually got into an alchemical mind of what they possibly could be, but he actually brings it up. He says... Our interest rightly begins just after your race exploded the first atomic bombs over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, Japan. It was at that alarming time we sent our flying machines, the Flugelrods, that's what they call the ships, to your surface world to investigate what your race had done. That is, of course, past history now, my dear Admiral, but I must continue on. You see, we have never interfered before in your race's wars and barbarity, but now we must, for you have learned to tamper with a certain power that is not for man, namely that of atomic energy. 
Our emissaries have already delivered messages to the powers of your world, and yet they do not heed. Now you've been chosen to witness here that our world does exist. You see, our culture and science is many thousands of years beyond your race, Admiral. So he's basically telling them this is an advanced power. They're not supposed to have this power is what he's trying to tell Admiral Byrd. Hey, listen, we've been trying to tell y'all not to use this is what they're telling him. I don't agree. I think they're deceiving him if it's even Admiral Byrd there. But whoever that he's talking, this master's talking to, he's definitely spinning a tale of how they're here to help. Very classic to what we talked about on our last episode of floating mushroom about how these alien races always come with this benevolence, this help that they're here to give us, but yet they're constantly involved with some sort of element of war, always, and how to manipulate us into getting more war started even though they say they're not here to do that. So, But I did find it telling that he talked about it as being a power, and if we're talking about the Vril, and how the, the Vril is not actually the race, even though people talk about the Vril being a race. The Vril is the actual power source that these Vril pull from, this dark energy. So the, if we're talking about these could be similar in the same category as what these Vril are, uh, I, think it's, I think it's very telling. I think that they are basically telling Admiral Byrd, like, hey, this nuclear energy isn't what you think it is. We know what it is, and we know the guys using it are using some other form of energy to make these explosions. And I don't really know what their end game was here with Admiral Byrd, or if this was just a partial truth, and this was given as the story for us to see as like a soft disclosure of what was really going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Mm. I like that thought. I, I wonder, like, if it's all, like you said, it's all one big story that they, you know, took the facts and stuff from it, but twisted it in a way to develop this other narrative to make you think, you know, it's like that, you know, look over here, this is what's going on. But in reality, something else entirely is happening, like just hijacking the story itself and twisting it in a way only so you can only get one picture of these certain outcome they can have rather than, you know, whether it be maybe Bird really did go to this place. But maybe he never did discover some being that, you know, after the log, you know, skipped an hour, then, all, you know, all that kind of fantastical stuff. But maybe all that stuff before was 100% true. And then they took this story and twisted this being into it to make you feel like uh, uh, secure with this being like they're good, like they're good beings. Like they brought it up for, you know, their good reason to protect us and things like that. But if, as we as we all know, you know, the image of like what the Antichrist is supposed to look like, you know, a, a, you know, a tall, handsome, well-coiffed, well-spoken, you know, soothsayer, you know, it's kind of the same type of situation he was stumbling across. It's just now they kind of if it's put in this story form, it kind of see, you don't see it that way. You just see it as another alien being from another planet that's here to help us. It's like E.T., you know? He's just a cute little alien. He's like, oh, he's here to save us. He just wants to phone home. Elliot. I mean, what do you think he's doing with that finger? Finger's glowing for a reason. And if you really think about it, the swastika was way, way longer around before the Nazis incorporated it, right? So the, the swastika has been around an ancient... A lot of people don't even know that. They don't know that because they think that the swastika was invented by the Germans and Hitler. Right. But the swastika was actually uh, from Sanskrit. Like, that's as far back as it was first found. And it 
has to do with uh, like spiritual uh, revelations and moving up the spiritual chain. I mean, it's even in in conjunction with with Buddhism, with with Zeus. I mean, it's been it's been in so many different civilizations, and you can find different versions of it all over the place. You can find one with like the little dots in between all of them. Uh, again, this isn't about. Germany when he saw the swastika because I don't think that that's what he attributed to that because he knew what that was from you know from the German war or from Hitler but that's not what I think that symbol meant when he saw it on those ships and he saw those tall whites I think the tall whites may have given it to the Germans like hey incorporate this but it has a a, a much much deeper meaning and the fact that Hitler wanted to use that symbol it's because it has occult meanings to it. So it's or they wanted to bury the meaning and change it because uh, I was just hearing something today, like think in modern mm-hmm. times, right? Like if you want now that there's movies, Black Panther everywhere, you're not going to find any information on Google of the Black Panthers, right? Like you, you're going to have to search because all you're going to really see is when you put Black Panther, you're going to see the Marvel movie. And they do this quite often. Like when we in modern times, it's much easier. So I'm just spitballing and just thinking like they hijack it still means something to me i'm with you it's like an occultic meaning but i think they brand it so others can't know that now it's this negative just the nazis like hey when you see that you think of a bad guy you think of hitler when someone sees that's that swastika that's immediately what they and think it's the of. hidden knowledge of what it means too because i don't think it's a good symbol in the beginning it wasn't i think it's a fallen angel symbol but you don't want what that real meaning means to people, so that'll awaken them to what these elites are doing and what that symbol is actually embodying, which I think Hitler knew. It keeps it surface level so that we're not, oh, it's just this bad guy that like did some stuff, and it doesn't get it gets you off the track of the occultic angle, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Is there a chance Hitler like knew or knew it was a fallen angel symbol and thought of himself as like a fallen angel by chance? Yes. Like he was the chosen one. Like, I want to use this. It would it would not surprise me. But he did so many drugs yeah. that if he's connected to fallen angels, I just think they're manipulating him. I don't think he wielded that much power that people think that he did. I think he was a good orator. But here's another thing you got to think about. When you've got these meat sack puppets in power, entities could be speaking through them when they're doing these revelatory speeches to bring everyone together or not even just yet yeah, that too but even just like show some power like behind the scenes right like they can like they get into this meat sack and show some power like oh wow this guy did some crazy you know what i'm saying like what would be known for them as like witchcraft or magic it, he could do using he's just an instrument have you guys seen the those videos recently, um, which I've noticed it before, like when politicians are speaking and there's that weird person always standing behind them and it looks like they're kind of telepathically making them talk. You ever seen that? Yes, I have. Or they're manipulating. Look at the Mitch McConnell video that was out a, a, a month or two ago. That lady that touched his wrist and then he just froze up. You see a lot of that stuff happening where it's like weird stuff. Whenever something happens to somebody uh, in power or you know a celebrity or whatever and they glitch up or something i always try to look at what's going on around them who's close by because i do think there are handlers and i think these handlers are deep into the occult so yeah i do think that here's the thing 
you can give yourself over to an entity willingly and allow them to take over you and manipulate themselves through you for you to have obtainable power that you want. You're like, you know what? I'll let this entity take take over me 60% of the time. If the other 40%, I can just have fun. You know what I mean? Like the, you, maybe you're making these deals. And I think that's what you see a lot of is people are willing and that's what really selling your soul means. I don't think you can actually sell your soul. I think you are always have an option for redemption, always. I don't care what kind of bad things you've done. There's always an option for redemption on the table. Selling your soul just means that I'm allowing this to happen so I can get this. I'm going to give myself over to this to get this. But letting an entity enter you is still kind of gay. I mean, I'm just going to be real with you guys. Like, I mean, it's cool. You can do what you want to do. It's your life. I'm just saying, like, don't try to act all tough. And we're like, hey, come on. It's almost like that movie uh, Bedazzled with Brendan Fraser. Yes. Where he he allows, you know, her to control. But then every scenario he's in, it's awful. Like, it's not what he really wants. It's always twisted. He would ask for the one thing, and then he would get that, and then it would be everything else would just be awful. I love how it starts out where he's just, like, living in, like, I don't know, in South America. He doesn't even know he's this, like, cartel lord, but he's, like, chilling. He's like, man, this is a great life. And then they all, like, come up in there and arrest him and shoot everybody. They get raided, yeah. 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 (laughs) That's so great, man. Yeah, that movie's classic. I haven't seen that in a long time, but that's a great movie. Soft disclosure. Soft disclosure, Selling man, your for soul. sure. But I do want to get back to them being inside this Agartha. Um, and basically, after he has this talk with the white master, um, the white master tells him on the way out, he said, perhaps by then you have learned the futility of war and its strife. And after that time, certain of your culture and science will be returned to your race to begin anew. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking about the renewal of the earth, how this has happened, how we get to this certain point, this crescendo that's happened in the past of technology out of control, hybrids out of control. We've got Nephilim running around and then everything gets reset. So that's, that's happened throughout, you know, in the past. So I think this is kind of what this master is telling him, but he's telling bird, he's the one to change it. He's like, you, my son are to return to the surface world with this message. So at that point they lead him out, they, they send him on. He keeps calling him his son. Farewell, my son, which is super weird. But they let him go. And at that point, he he gets out. And that's when he picks up the log again. At 0 to 15 hours, a radio message comes through. And this is them again. We are leaving you now, Admiral. Your controls are free. We watch for a moment as the fucal rods disappeared into the pale blue sky so they leave him and he heads back and he's got a couple more logs but it's nothing crazy it's just basically like he sees the ice and snow again and he lands smoothly at the base camp so that's when he gets back and he goes to the staff meeting at the pentagon and he says i've just attended a staff meeting at the pentagon i've stated fully my discovery and the message from the master all is duly recorded. The president has been advised. I am now detained for several hours, six hours, 39 minutes to be exact. So we got 639 in there. We got the, we got the, we got the triples. We got the, the Tesla numbers. We, we, it's always there. I'm interviewed intently by top security forces and a medical team. It was an ordeal. I'm placed under strict control via the national security provisions of this United States of America. I'm ordered to remain silent in regard to all that I've learned on the behalf of humanity. Incredible. I am reminded that I'm a military man and I must obey 
orders. It sounds very familiar as to what we've been told a lot the past few years. As a staff, we believe in the integrity of our publications. And this is just this HERS report that came out about saying that they believe in the integrity of this being him saying it. So he did actually go and talk to the president and at least conveyed this message of, hey, I met with the master. Whether it was him or not that met with this master, he had this conversation per this HERS report that he actually did. Now, during I do have a question. Because he makes mention in the the journals of there was there's his radio guy was there the whole time, mm-hmm. but it just there's there's never like anything really mentioned about him. Do you know anything about it? Not in his report. He only mentions when they get there, and then when yeah. they leave. Now, from what I can tell, Howie stayed at the plane, so I. From what I can tell, he approaches the plane because it says here, as I approached, I said, it is all right, all right, Howie. It is all right. So Howie was forced to stay at the plane while he went and met with the master. So they did go into there. Obviously, they were in the plane together. They went into Agartha together, but he was made to stay at the plane while Admiral Byrd went and met with the white master and learned all the knowledges of the tall whites, the fallen or Nephilim or a combination of the two, who knows? But I tend to lend maybe towards fallen just because it seems like the Viril are really connected to this and they seem to have very angelic features. So, you know, it could be, or it, it could be just a different version of Nephilim as well. They're very tall. So it's hard to say, but yeah, how he stayed at the plane. Okay. Because that's one of the things that always pretty crazy. I'm sorry, Sean. No, you're good. Because you were talking about Agartha, so I was just like trying to like look up some stuff. I never even knew this. I just found out right now. So August 18th, 2022, Expedition Agartha for PlayStation comes out, and then in 2017, Nintendo Switch has an Agartha where you go under, and you it literally says. You will become an explorer and aim for the utopia, Gartha, deep in the deep in the ground. That's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, that's definitely some more good soft disclosure. I see uh, J Clone Ten Four over there smiling immensely. Now, the one thing I do want to ask, though, I hear that there are a lot of mushroom type creatures that come out of you know Hollow Earth. Uh, we watched Inside Job. You know, that's a big part of that mike cilia mike <laughs> you know what do you think about that j clone 10 for about there being you know mushroom people in the earth oh i don't think i don't think that's even possible i mean the logistics of it all just there's no way that could even be a thing okay not, not in, oh you would know and I, I i totally will listen to you without questioning anything when it comes to some certain things where do we see mushrooms, you know, on the ground, popping up on the surface in the sky? Underground? No, they're mycelia networks, sure, but no, come on. Come on. Thanks, Jay Clinton, for you. No, that's in my professional opinion. Huh. Okay. And, and to the point of... A, Over. And to the point of Gartha, <laughs> it's actually got Buddhist origin, so that plays into this swastika, which also has a Buddhist origin as well. And they refer to it as the subterranean world or empire. 
in whose all existence of true Buddhist, they fer- fervently believe this. So they believe that, yay, we're going to go there at some point, but we know how to get there. And this this is all, they go to the subterranean capital, Shambhala, um, is is it, how they get there, and it's in Tibet. So this is ha- one of the entrances that you can get to Agartha is in Tibet. Uh, so this the name Agartha or Agartha uh, has a has a big Buddhist origin, but it's not the first time that there has been talk of Agartha or other names because we have Egyptian gods and kings um, and the ones found uh, of Buddha throughout the Orient, and they represent subterranean supermen. So it seems to be that these supermen keep coming from out of the earth and helping mankind. Sound familiar? Yes, it does sound familiar. This is happening in Brazil as well. Uh, it said that this same group went to high plateaus in Brazil where they settled subterranean cities in Brazil. And a lot of them, they say they stem from the Atlanteans. So in my opinion, if we're going to tie in these fallen and maybe Nephilim to old earth, because I think Atlantis was in old earth. I think this is way before Adam and all that. I think this is where this is all connected under the earth, because if there are cataclysms on the earth, which there have been several, they would go under earth and create these cities. So if there's cities of beings that have been around for you know, billions of years, they would be inside of the earth. So this just makes sense. And and I'm sure there's an interdimensional element to some of this as well. I don't think it's just, you know, in the earth and coming out. I think there's got to be some sort of portaling systems too. So, and this, like I said, this is all through cultures. And in these cultures, you can look at some of these hieroglyphs and they talk about flying ships, UFOs that are in conjunction with these race of gods that they call them. You know, we're talking about the lost continents of Lemuria and Atlantis and all of these underground places are under the water places now. Um, You know, I've talked about Vamanas a million times, but even in the Ramayana, they talk about some of these flying saucers too. It's not just the Vamanas. So this is talked about forever. Quetzalcoatl, who is a huge god of the Aztecs, he came from under the earth. He was the god of abundance, the morning star, which is also a derivative name of Lucifer. So all this stuff's connected to fallen angels. All this stuff's connected to Nephilim, this Agartha place, this, you know, place of the it's hub. the hub. Yeah, it is. And it's supposed to be like an Eden, right? It's almost to me, which I don't think Eden's in the earth. I, I do think Eden's interdimensional, but I think that that's their version of Eden or what they want to create it to be. Oh, man, I was just going to say, man, that you took it like right from my brain. I was thinking right when you said that, I was like, yeah, it's like this upside down world, mm-hmm. Eden. You know what I mean? It's this whole like play of it. Oh, sorry. Ooh, choked my own spit. <laughs> Now, do you think... Dang it, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you think they actually went underground, or do you think they went through a, basically a portal and ended up on another plane or a different dimension? Listen, I'm okay with either or, honestly. I think there's stuff yeah. in the Earth, and it, it could be they went through a portal to go in the Earth. It might not even be an opening at the top. He just went through a portal, and he ended up inside of the Earth, somewhere in this Agartha range, or Agartha is in a different dimension, a dimensional sphere. I mean, I'm good with either of those. Like, I, I, I think that when you're looking at Antarctica and you're looking at uh, the North Pole, 
I think there's for sure portals there. That's without a shadow of a doubt. We know there are pyramids in Antarctica. We know that for a fact. We've seen the pictures. So we know that's for sure. So I don't know, man. I, to be honest with you, it could be either or or a combination of the two. Okay. Yeah. I, I, so Godzilla versus Kong came out, and that's literally their, what they did is a com- kind of a combination of both. You kind of you basically fall into a big hole, but you pass through a membrane that flips you back right side up, and like with the with the core. So the core was still exposed. It's it's very weird how they did it, and it made me think a lot. It's it's just like imagining that. Hmm. But I also I kind of if this is real, and I I just my big is I just don't think it was Admiral Byrd. I could believe pretty much everything else about this encounter. Everything else. I just don't think it was him with the way it all fell out at the end. But I would think personally that it was interdimensional, that whoever this was with the instruments screwing up and everything like that, because I feel like they would he would notice more that he drove into or flew into a giant hole in the ground versus just kind of like he went over this mountain range and then everything turned green. And then he started seeing, you know, mammoths and he started seeing cities. And But it, it could be like, you know, when we talked about talked with people who kind of went through a bubble mm-hmm. and everything's just kind of different. That's what I'm saying is it's that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Rather than a the, hole. It's not a hole. I don't yeah. think it's a hole. Yeah. I think it, he was like, cause his instruments failed for a short period of time. That it seems like whenever he got through that transition period, everything started acting right besides his radio mm-hmm. because he wasn't probably on the planet earth or wherever he ended up, whether it was inside the earth or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, his radio is the only instrument it was no longer working mm-hmm. until he got back through the other side of it. Hmm. 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 Well, on that note, I think we should move to his other journey down south, Operation High Jump, which was another huge, huge thing that's been talked about in the conspiratorial community forever. Oh, yeah. And why he went there, what was his purpose. There were so many things that went on uh, during that, um, that it's just it's it's almost it's almost mind blowing because he they said that it was a like reconnaissance mission and it's you know recon is what they said but when they go down there, I mean they're taking everything but the kitchen sink with them destroyers they took the icebreaker Northwind yeah like they're going to war put, took a catapult ship destroyer ship aircraft carriers. I mean, tankers, I mean, float planes. They took everything with them down there like they're going to war. So that that was the odd thing about it because it just didn't seem like, I don't know. It, it, it wasn't a reconnaissance. We know that for a fact. Now, was it just on the surface level they were going down there because they thought the Nazis were there? I mean, it could be very well that. If we're going to take all the extraordinary elements out of the conversation, then yeah. They thought that a lot of the Nazis, because they knew the Nazis had been wanting to get down there anyway. Matter of fact, the Nazis had a place down there called New Swabia. This is a known fact. This isn't something that is made up, that they took a piece of the land that they called New Swabia, and just on the surface level, they said that the Nazis wanted this region so they could control any flight patterns over that area because they thought it was an important area of the earth now 
again. The reason why they thought that, one, the Nazis even said, and Hitler even said, that there was land down there that wasn't in ice. There, there was definitely green land that they could live on. That's according to them. But if you're just going to like everything's ice, they just said, we don't want flight patterns over here. We feel like we can control something here. I just think they knew something occultic was going on there, whether it was in the earth or not, which I think maybe it's a combination of the two. Maybe there's a portal down there or several. Uh, but high jump, there was a hidden purpose behind it. Now, we've heard everything from the fact that when they got down there, that UFOs came out after them, started cutting up the ships like butter knives, and they left. We've heard that they went down there and actually had war with them. I've heard the story where Bird met with some of the alien creatures down there, and they brokered a deal with the Nazis there. We know the UK was there too, several other countries. It wasn't just us. So it, there was a lot going on with Operation High Jump. Uh, what do you guys think about High Jump? No, definitely that there was. I mean, it was it happened, and that's the weirdest part for like going into this field because even if the stuff that we think happened is so buried and so hidden and so wrapped up in stuff. This is one that that happened. Mm-hmm. Like there were so many moving parts that had to be accounted for by various autonomous groups. That it happened. So why did it happen? And there's never been a good answer for that. And I definitely think I mean I could I could fully see the mundane explanation of a fear of Nazis. Like you yeah. said, they were there. And fun fact about Antarctica is there are green chunks that most people don't realize that are not saying that there aren't in the conspiracy wheel, that there are documented green areas of Antarctica. Like there's bays that are green. There's these big rocky mountain outcrops that are green. And normally they're jam-packed with life. Literally like just all these birds and stuff like that are on them. Uh, But yeah, I I could definitely – like the Foo Fighters, I've heard that being connected with Operation High Jump is that these Foo – like the Foo actually came out and just like you said, or destroying destroyer-class ships with one whatever pulse weapon or whatever and just like just screwing with everybody. Like they had no chance. Was Operation High Jump before or after Operation Paperclip? Did anyone know that before? At around I the same time. Before. So High Jump is after the war. So we would have already been pulling over these Nazis to work for us, probably simultaneously. Within that two-year span, they both were going on. So High Jump and Paperclip were going on about the same time because we were hunting Nazis that were fr- like had after the war that were going and hiding. We thought that a bunch of them went down to Antarctica and even Hitler escaped and went Antarctica was what a lot of people thought after he went to South America that he dipped down to Antarctica after that. So yeah, paperclip and maybe paperclip was a little before, but they're around the same time. It was in that two year span of after world war two, uh, that you had that so, going on. Operation Hydra was 46 to 47. Uh, the actual whole operation was a two-year span of two years. Thanks, uh, Joe Rogan's Jamie. Fifty-nine. It was when the end date of Operation Paperclip. Because hmm. I had the thought, like, I wonder what if, uh, like, you know, yeah, we we won World War Two or whatever. You know, Nazi Germany is defeated, and you know, we took in some of those scientists. But what if those scientists and military leaders that we took in said, like, oh yeah, we got people stationed down there. If you take this, 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 and down there, you can take them out and wipe out the rest of them 
But what if they knew all together, like, okay, they're going to destroy the U.S. Army or whatever they send down there. So they sent them, you know, down on a mission that they were going to get wrecked. And then maybe, maybe the, you know, the Nazi people that we took in kind of overtook our military industrial was 46 military industrial complex. I think they were working together and that's part of like, like you said, the blend of that operation paperclip because I think they were already down there. I even think in a lot of these wars, like we talk about the elites and stuff, they're all in on the same plan. I think they just like made it official like, hey, whoa, you guys found all this. But I just keep thinking that you guys keep saying like, oh, Operation uh, High Jump. And I just keep thinking. Crisscross. <laughs> what they were actually. Appleberta make you jump. 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 <laughs> Agartha make you want to jump jump, jump. jump. What they were actually doing down there. And we talked about this on our show before is they were down there to kill the bloop. I, mm. I've said that, and I still kind of believe it, <laughs> and they lost. Because <laughs> during their early explorations of Antarctica, they found a gigantic organism sleeping. <laughs> they wanted to kill it before it leveled civilization. Literally Godzilla. I think they were working together because Hitler, and just if on the surface level, he was inspired by a lot of the American eugenics programs, right? So why wouldn't he also be inspired by some of the American occultic uh, lure as well. If if he was going down that lane already, what the elites were, I don't see why he wouldn't be going that. And I think maybe at first there was like a competition to find it first or maybe just to seem because we know as World War II went on that the elites of the world, they still gave him oil. I mean, Henry Ford gave him Jeeps and so on and so forth. I think it's just one of those things where they're just ripping apart the earth and making it look like wars because they're trying to find whatever it is. I don't know exactly. I can't specifically say, but whether it's a portal or artifact, I, I really think that a lot of these wars may be because of them fighting a fallen uh, uh, for the fallen or finding things for the fallen that uh, will release them and kill us all. So really crazy, though, uh, Admiral Byrd, made a bunch of cryptic comments while he was being interviewed by different news services and he was in the March 5th, 1947 edition of the Chilean newspaper El Mercurio and he declared that it was imperative for the United States to initiate immediate defense measures against hostile regions. The Admiral further said that he didn't want to frighten anyone unduly but it was a bitter reality that in case of a new war the continental United States would be attacked by flying objects which could fly from pole to pole at incredible speeds. Admiral Byrd repeated the above points of view resulting from his personal knowledge gathered at both the North and South Poles for a news conference held for International News Service. So I just want to reiterate too that High Jump was the first time he went to the South Pole. This was like the second time that he went to the South Pole. Wait, wait. So then that if we go back to what we were talking about earlier kind of gives some validity to the diary. Maybe he did not write that, but it's not that this strange stuff didn't come out after he died that we were kind of speculating at first what Justin was saying. So obviously he was, and this was obviously maybe like a newspaper or something you said. Yeah, yeah. This was in the uh, El Mercurio. This was the 1947, March 5th edition. It's it a Chilean um, news article that came out in 1947. So yeah, he said this. This is him saying it. They interviewed him for real. Uh, it's a real newspaper. 
people remain skeptical about the article, but it was actually, it's an actual newspaper. You can find it. You can find the article. You can look it up. So he actually said it, whether, again, whether it was him that was doing this or not. Now, here's a piece of me that I think he is involved. This is what I think. I think Bird saw all this stuff. I think that he manufactured it a certain way, but I think there were other people with him that he is leaving out of the story. I think there was other things going on that when he went to Agartha or wherever it was, when he went to the North Pole, South Pole, because listen to this, it said that he went and created the Station 211 in the South Pole. Also, when he went to the South Pole, very different then when he went to the North Pole, he met these blue-skinned people when he was down in the South Pole. So this is different than these long, blonde-haired, tall whites that he met when he went to the North Pole. He met these blue-skinned people, which make you think of the movie Avatar, these very underwater, because he said they came out of the water. So it's just, to me, he's got a lot of knowledge. And there's also a reason why he's got a lot of knowledge, by the way, guys. He's a 33rd degree Freemason. There it is. He's a 1921 member (laughs) of the Federal Lodge in Washington. Number one, the first lodge in America. 1929, LED private journey for the Rockefellers. He dropped Masonic flags on both poles. In 1935, established the first Antarctic Lodge, number 777. 60 of the 82 members that went with him were Freemasons. In 1957, Admiral Byrd died mysteriously, supposedly. We don't, you know, he died. 1958, off-limits Antarctic Treaty created. So right after he dies, they make it off-limits to go to Antarctica after they've already done everything they need to do there, met with these entities, you know, done whatever else. So I think him being a 33rd-degree Freemason, which he could have been even higher degrees because there are more than just the 33rd, but he was with the official First Lodge uh, in D.C. He's highly connected, highly revered, got all the medals. I get it. He could be the face, but I do think he was involved in some way. We know we went. We know he went to Antarctica for high jump. We know that for a fact. We know he left on the ships. We know he went there. Matter of fact, we know that he at least flew in the directions of the North and South Pole even before high jump. We know he's a part of this somehow. We just don't know what. And I do think that they're leaving a lot out. I think maybe some of the fantastical stuff that came out in the diaries, and in the flight logs, I think that they're misdirection. I think it's partial truths. I think some of these things existed, but I think it goes way deeper than what's being revealed. Like, he could have gone and met with these tall whites, but he might have known exactly what they were. And they're showing him, hey, this is where we're creating these Nephilim hybrids. This is what we're planning on doing. This is what we we need you to say. But he might have just been a bit part player in those meetings. He might not have been the face of it like they wanted to make him. They're like, okay, we're going to use him for this story. But he may have went with a conglomerate of people to this area. Also, if we're talking about portals, guys, he might have flown the directions of the North and South Pole. He might have even 
that might not have even been how he got there. If we're talking about portaling. They could have sure. had a portaling, mm-hmm. which I do believe they probably have a portaling system in DC. They could just get yeah. to these places oh, instantly. Yeah. yeah. Well, we know there's that one in Kentucky. Remember we yeah. talked about that before. There's like, and then uh, the natives all over, all indigenous people talk about portals all around the world. Um, I I'm with you. Like, I think Admiral Burt is a part of it. I don't know how much and what degree, but I think especially with that news report that you were saying, I think that really says that there's something to the diary. Now, I believe a lot of what's going on. I don't know if he saw everything that could be done for debate, but that's we could go back and forth all day long on that because none of us truly know. But I think he's still a big part of it. I think he's a lot bigger part. Um, He's like the face, man. You know what I mean? He's the guy again you're decked out man you're you're military royalty this is the person you put out there you don't put out the guy that is a piece of shit right like the the guy that's evil that's uh, uh killing people like you put out the war hero you know what i mean you want the hero yeah and that's what they're doing and i think they're gonna go for it now as uh, justin could be right maybe he knew 50 percent of it maybe 60 whatever but i think in my opinion he was there for a lot of it and i think if he was not if he didn't see with his own eyes Somebody told him, like, literally, like, a couple minutes after they saw you I know get what, what they saw. him being a part of a group and all this stuff with this whole thing and him be, being there with all this stuff. I just, the journals, I've always just left a bad taste in my mouth. And I just, there's just something about him reading them and going through them that just. Maybe it's not your jam, you know yeah. what I mean? Not my jam. I don't buy jam, buy honey. <laughs> and I kiss it on the lips. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I well, love here's that, another one for you guys too. And I think at some point we'll do an actual deep dive on this guy because I think there's a lot of weird stuff surrounding him, even though people revere him as Gary being Busey? one of the conspiracy guys that are out there. Phil Schneider. So oh. I found a connection with Phil Schneider and um our buddy today and Admiral Byrd. And he actually, this is a weird one. So, so during this, uh, the Dulce Wars in 1979, uh, when Phil Schneider was part of this drilling operation in Dulce, New Mexico, and they found those shafts and all these aliens and everything. Well, apparently, according to Schneider, even before that, he found out that Bird. Uh, flew a Harrier into one of the alien bases and destroyed everything, uh, allowing test subjects and soldiers to escape. This is according to Phil Schneider. So this is some weird stuff. So if you want to buy into the fact that maybe that Admiral Byrd was a good guy, but I think Phil Schneider's got a lot of weird stuff that I think that he might not be who he says he is either. So I think we could totally get down that rabbit hole one day but that was a weird one i ran across that phil schneider actually said that he heard this story that admiral bird did that well maybe that's how you flip the bird you know that thing comes from that <laughs> flipping the bird <laughs> your joke's <laughs> killing me that's hilarious justin if you'd like that is to a crazy connection segue us into his son all right this is probably my biggest problem with the everything we've talked about tonight is his kid was the biggest pusher, the biggest proponent of like getting it out there with all the hollow earth and all these other two guys from Ohio state. And they were running circuits talking about it. He was, 
he would add to the stories kind of like almost every time he'd go out and talk about it in public. They'd be more grand and they'd be bigger and better and they were getting paid all this money. And then if I'm not mistaken, so I know there was some controversy with his death, but he kind of disappeared on the way to one of these talks and then he was found kind of Epstein in a warehouse. He killed himself. I think he shot himself in the back of the head three times. Uh, kind of deal to where, and then there was like a lot of whether it's everybody has their own thoughts with his death. Mm-hmm. It was like mob ties. He did have quite a considerable gambling debt. Which I knew of that. And I mean, quite considerable, considerable. I knew of that. Uh, now, but, oh, sorry. He was on, this was 1988, and he was on his way from Boston to Washington, D.C. He was going to give a speech about his dad at the National Geographic Society event, and he was taking this said diary with him. Now, some people have guesstimated that the diary that he had is not the diary that we have now, that there was more things in that diary and that he was on his way to finally blow the lid off of everything. Now, now that's just in the conspiratorial world. That's one of the conspiracies that are going around. When they, f- and that kind of sounds like people want right. that, though, right? Yeah. Like that would be a perfect scenario. Right. Which I, I I tend to agree with that too. Um, when they found him though in the warehouse, they said he died of Alzheimer's, which is crazy. That's what the coroner died said. Died of Alzheimer's with, but yeah, with holes. He was wearing different clothing and he had one shoe on. And then the people that found him though said that he died of malnutrition and dehydration. So they said, and then, like I said, when the coroner's got a hold of him, they're like, oh yeah, I was Alzheimer's. That's why he disappeared for two weeks. He, we didn't know, he didn't even know where he was. I was like, well, that's, that doesn't add up. Here's what I think. I think that he may have been going to release some info, some hidden info. I Again, I think he's totally manipulated, but I think he may have gotten tired of it and he's getting older and he's like, you know what, I'm going to let some stuff out that I know. Maybe he was going to tell about his dad actually being involved with some of this deeper stuff that we were just guesstimating about on the show. And listen, back to what Justin said, he owed a lot of people a lot of money. Hey, the government's like, this is perfect. Like, even if yeah, it comes out that he, that he died, but yeah, well, like he owed a lot of people a lot of money. Mm-hmm. They could have even paid off the gangsters to do it. I'm with you on that because I think that's how a lot of stuff happens. Because it's it's easier to cover your tracks when you already have. Uh, uh, hey, well, why do you owe all those mobsters money? You know how those mobsters get, man. You ever seen the movie Casino? Mm-hmm. I think he owed like <laughs> somewhere around like three or four hundred thousand dollars in the eighties. Damn. Yeah, that's a that's, lot. I mean, that's just quite just a, bit. a little south of a hundred or half a million dollars. And I could see it either way. I, but I don't think, I think if you took his kid out of the equation, the story for me gets a lot more believable. The kid, cause he could add and add and add stuff every time he went on his talks. And I don't think he had anything real. I don't, I just think his dad died and this was his meal ticket for 30 years. This was his punch card. This was his job. This is what he and the other two guys did was these paid talks. Cause that was a paid talk he was going to. And yeah, I think, uh, and it could be the government got him. I'm, uh, I'll never put anything past the government. That's for sure. But I just think, uh, his debt caught up with him. And I don't disagree with you that there was a coordinated effort to get the diary out. 
a certain way. And Raymond Gorler, who I brought up at the beginning, uh, I'm mean, just bring up another fact. He was German again. Like I'm not saying, but you know, he could. It could just be a coincidence. But we have been talking a lot about Germans being involved with this Admiral Byrd situation. So maybe his family back in the old country was connected to something that was going on. He would have been that that age bracket for it to happen that way. It's a possibility. We we're just talking about paperclip. You know, Jay brought up paperclip. So who knows? what his ties were uh, or maybe his dad or his mom or whoever else in his family that were tied into something else too. And they were like, hey, you're the perfect guy to bring this diary to light. Oh, I just found this in the back, which is super weird. I, I, I can't get down with that. I do think his son was involved too with the government. And I think maybe that his son was like, you know what? He Maybe, maybe this, maybe he knew the mob was after him and he's like, you know what? I'm just going to blow this whole thing up because I'm going to die anyway. So might as well just like let it out. I can't pay the mob back. And he just, he got clipped anyway. <laughs> got, got. Got, got. Got, got. Well, guys, this was a blast of an episode. I know we've talked about doing Bird for a few months. And Sean was the one that brought it up after this last episode. I was like, yeah, well, we do Bird. So. Justin didn't even get that mad though. That was that's what it was kind of disappointing on that end. I thought he was gonna get a little bit more mad, but it was the moonshine. It was literally the only way I didn't leave. It's the moonshine. I get it. There but you go. know what it is too. I think it's like how that Sean and I deliver information to Justin, where he's like, "Huh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense though." And I'll say, <laughs> I can. I, you turned him by. I don't know. You turned him, guys. I haven't changed my opinion very much. I'll be very blunt. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, I, I am agree. just loving my moonshine. <laughs> I, I agree. It is definitely this, just the fights in the conspiracy world. I think also bother me because it's a lot of you're dumb and you're dumb kind of stuff. There's not like actual talks of sustenance. Yeah. I, I, right, I, Jay? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and there it is. Right. There it is. The little what? dish ah! out of his head again. No, that's a squirrel. You even made a little noise. You heard it? I did. <laughs> oh, my God. Gosh. We're Wish I knew what this J-clone was doing this whole time. They're always doing something. Hey, I'm just here enjoying this talk. This has been a, a wonderful, informative talk we've had today, fellas. Yeah, and I think that a lot of it, there is a lot of truth to it. And then maybe even with his son, that could be playing a part that he was supposed to die too. Continue this lure of us to go the more like the trail that's not leading us to where we want to go. I think they always give us real information. It's just hard to decipher. And that's why we have so many arguments. That's why we've always said, just like, let it, you know, just let it, let it rest, man. Let it breathe for a little bit. Let's all talk it. None of us have it right on the money. There's some clues that we all have and we just got to like really analyze it. I know the sun's shady, but I personally, that's just me, my opinion. I really feel that Admiral Byrd was very involved. And I think maybe not the diary completely real, but I think a lot of those stories in there were real. And they could have been a joint effort with the son to like put it out where he's like, hey, this is what my dad said. And then maybe they embellished on some things, but definitely uh, that happened. And, and especially when we hear that news article. So son, son crappy, uh, burden. Bird did it. There you go. Bird did, bird it. did it. He flipped the bird. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, guys, this was a blast episode. I had a good time. Um, 
can't wait for the 40 in airwaves ultimate podcast conference if you guys don't have your tickets get them now because you'll see us in a week we'll be there live and in person that's next weekend isn't it i'll tell you what whoever buys the last ticket can do a shot off a j <laughs> off the flap. Off, off the, the flap. flap. Uh, we'll pour it down the flap. And I won't say it. Whoever buys the last ticket that we sell, period, can do a shot off of Jay's flap. No, not can do. Has to. Has to. Has to. Keep <laughs> mind, everybody. Home, I have the records. I love that. You are not. Le- and we know yeah. who did we do, yeah. buy that last ticket. I have ticket. your full name, address, and phone number and email. <laughs> It'd be like one of them little ice shoots where they pour the shot down that little slide of ice. Except it'll just be my hair. I'm going to make a whole beer bong the system yeah. for your back of your head. Oh, God. Or it's a bottle of moonshine or vodka or something. Mm. I got to shoot the whole thing. It's going to be a wonderful experience for everyone involved. I did everything right and they indicted me. <laughs> oh, what was that? <laughs> just a little, a little Trump for the outro. I mean, uh, for that, we we went hard on Trump uh, earlier in this month, uh, last month. So, you know, gotta, how'd that go for get you? Those guys back, man. There's a, there's actually a big audience there. Uh, if you guys didn't know, yeah. I think you guys. <laughs> and we're from fired. Northwest Ohio. We oh, we're yeah, aware. <laughs> we're aware. <laughs> they remind us. Well, look, that's guys. all Ukraine flags and Trump flags. Oh yeah, I've actually been there to Ada, and I've seen it. You Ugh. both have. Yeah. You both yeah, seen the flag, have. and we were blown away with that. It's like how, and we're plotting on something that I'm not going <laughs> to say. I am not. Say, but never mind. I have no <laughs> ill intentions towards anyone's flags. <laughs> well, look, guys, this is a blast. I can't wait to do this again. Uh, again, guys, we'll see you at the 48 Airwaves Ultimate Podcast Conference. We'll all be there. Love you guys. Bye. 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 Bye.